Welcome to the Encounter Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Good day. Happy Mother's Day. Make sure you bless a mother today. Bless your mum. Make her feel loved. If, if, if you've got a mum in your home, just do something really good for her. Make them feel appreciated on their day. Mother's Day. Well, this is um, the second half of week three of our For God So Loved series. And like I said last week, um, this is a part one and part two. So this is part two. So if you want to listen to part one, make sure you go to our website and check it out. And this is continuing, Flourish in All Seasons. Now, this is a message, as I said last week, that I've taken the basis of a message that I've done before, that somebody said to me recently, hey, you know that message that spoke to me so deeply? It, it got me through the next 10 months of darkness and a storm. I kept thinking of that message. And then at the end of that, that period, a new season opened for me. God fulfilled a promise. And I'm so glad I continued and didn't give up. And, and I thought, wow, look, I went and had a look at that message. And I thought, wow, that is such a powerful message for today and the season we're going through. So I've basically taken the basis of that and, and, and prayed about it and worked on it. And um, I really feel like this second half of this message is really going to speak to a lot of people today, especially if you're going through something. And to just give you a little recap of last week, I talked about that your circumstances don't necessarily indicate to you whether God's favour is with you or not. So if you're going through some bad circumstance, it doesn't mean God's left you. It doesn't mean that, that God's favour is not with you. Not, don't look at what your eyes can see. Having said that, there will be people here where you've actually made some poor choices. Maybe you've walked away from the will of God. The will of God's over here. And you've said, no, I'm going to walk according to my will. And you've started to walk over here. And you're walking away from the will of God. And by doing that, all this stuff's happening to you. That is a consequence of your decisions. It's a consequence of selfishness or sin or your own way. And God says, hey, you've got to get back over here into my will so my favor can rest upon you. And we have so many examples in the Bible. I talked about last week of people that bad stuff happened to them. Perfect example is Jesus, perfect human, sinless, God, man, fully God, fully man, most righteous person, perfect person who ever lived. And you would think only good things happened to him. But man, we know lots of bad stuff happened to him. In fact, he was tortured as an evildoer. He received the death penalty, which is the cross. He was crucified, crown of thorns on his head, suffered excruciating death, and then rose again the third day. But you know, Jesus was in God's perfect will. See, people looked at Jesus on the cross and they judged him and said, oh, this man must have been an evildoer. How could these bad circumstances be happening to him? But Jesus was in God's perfect, perfect plan. See, bad stuff that we go through sometimes is God's perfect plan. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And maybe your cross is something you're going through right now and it's God's perfect plan. But on the other side, there'll be joy and there'll be blessing and there'll be resurrection, power and life. And then we have this other guy, Barabbas, who's, who was bad and evil and murdered and he had good things happen to him. And he was released when Jesus was crucified and it wasn't a reflection of how good he was. It was just a circumstance that happened. And we looked at last week that all the extraordinary people that we see in the Bible, you know, we look up to them, we go, wow, Abraham and, and, and Enoch and all, the, all these, these, these people received the promises of God through faith and through hope. And we go, man, if I could be half a spiritual person as them. But you know, when you really look at their stories, they were just normal, everyday people like you and me. 
They were people with failings. They were frail. They were weak. They were doubting. They were fearful. They would tremble. They were anxious. They, they, they had all the same emotions that you have and I have in circumstances that we go through. But the thing was them is as they're climbing up that hill and they're, they're trying to get to the hill of the promise or the dream or, or the, 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 the thing that they believe in God for, the darkness ascended upon them. And, and if we had just been in their shoes in that point of time, we would have gone, this is hopeless. I can't make it. This is, this is going to go pear-shaped. And, and maybe people around them at that time would have gone, my goodness, what's happening in their life? They've done something wrong. They've obviously sinned. They're out of the will of God. But they're in the perfect will of God. We look at them in hindsight as we look back at them and we see they got to the top of the hill. The promise of God came. The breakthrough of God came. The miracle of God came. God came and saved and rescued them that day. And we look from the other side of hope and we see the fulfillment of it. And we call them great and mighty people of faith and hope. They're just people that hung in there long enough to see the miracle. Hung in there long enough to see the miracle. This series is based on a real famous scripture called John 3.16. If you've got your Bible, read with me. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but everlasting life. You see, Jesus in the perfect will of God, the son of God, God's greatest treasure possession. God thought, what can I send to earth? What is the most valuable thing I own in heaven? I'll send myself. I will make him born of a man, born, born a man of a virgin, and I will lay my life down to save humanity. You see, in our worst state, in that state of ignorance, in that state where we have no control, where we, 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 we didn't even know we were in sin. We didn't even know that we were in such darkness. We had no awareness even of it. In our lack of even awareness, God was aware and cared about you and cared about me. And he sent his son. You see, if somebody looks after us and cares for us and, and is prepared to love us in our worst state, they really love us. You know, when somebody might have betrayed you or somebody ripped you off or maybe they've been unfaithful to you or they stole or they've gossiped about you and, but you still choose to love them and want them, then that is true love. And that's what Jesus did for us when we were rude to him and we disrespect, when we didn't acknowledge him. He said, I don't care. I'm going to love you anyway. So he was on a rescue mission to rescue you and me from ourselves, our blind spots, our sin, and to give us life. My first point in today's message of this part B or second half of last week's message is this. The extraordinary, the extraordinary came out of what happened in the midst of their storms and their personal battles. I'll say that again. The extraordinary came out of what happened in the midst of their personal storms and their personal battles. And I looked at a whole heap of heroes of faith last week, and, and I won't go through them, but I'll just recap on a couple of them. The, we have Joseph who's in prison, you know, for 20 years. And then he, he, he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Then we have Jonah who's in the belly of the whale, the story where he was asked to go and preach to the Ninevites. He said, I don't want to go. I don't want to follow the will of God. I don't want to follow the call of God. I don't want to do what God says. I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to run away in the opposite direction because I don't want to go and preach to those people. And the belly of the, the fish opens up and he's in the belly. And it's in that place of limitation, in that place of darkness, in that storm where he gets on his knees and he repents. 
And he says, God, forgive me for my selfishness and my sin and seeking my will above your will. The whale spits him out and he goes back and obeys the will of God. And we have David who's in the desert running around in caves from Saul who's chasing him. You see, these guys all went through these incredible battles and storms. But what got them through was faith, hope, and trust. They had a bright, bold hope. You know, maybe you're going through a storm today. Maybe you're in a, the middle of the battle, the biggest battle of your life possibly. And, and there's a storm raging around you. You know, the, the darkness has started to ascend and, and the sky has become black and then there's thunder and there's lightning and the sounds and the wind is starting to blow around you. And the rain is starting to pour down so heavy that it's pinging on your body and it's in your eyes and hail is starting to come down and the trees are blowing back and forth and some of them are snapping and you're hearing the crackling of, of, of the branches as they hit the ground and fear and anxiety is building and building in you and, and you're out in the middle of the storm and, and maybe that's a storm that you're going through right now and so of these people of faith were in these storms you know and, and in the storm you think it's never going to end and you think that this is it and how can this even come to pass how could good come out of this but the bible says that what the enemy meant for evil god means for good we've got to believe that there's good the storm will pass and on the other side of it there'll be good because god is a good god and these guys were in their storms but they didn't give up they kept holding on to the anchor of their faith. They kept believing in the rock and the God of heaven. See, so many of the Psalms in the Bible, there's a book called Psalms. And, and in there is this, there's these songs and poems where, where the different people, including King David, poured their heart out. And if you read them, th th these people are in, in torture mentally and physically and spiritually and emotionally and, and, and they're pouring out their soul to God and it talks about them weeping on their beds at night and they couldn't sleep and the terror that was around them. But in that hour, they were calling out to God and believing that he was their shelter and their protection. And we can take great kind of shelter and peace ourselves as we read these Psalms and I'm reading them at the moment as I read them and I can really identify with them. And there's one from King David and most of the ones David wrote, he wrote in his darkest hours. And we look and we see the end result where he was rescued. But when he was writing them, he wasn't necessarily rescued. He was, he was in the pit of despair. And I'm going to read Psalm 31, 1 to 5. And these are King David's words when he was running from being pursued by King Saul. Oh, Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemies set for me. For I find protection in you alone. I entrust, entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. See, David learned that even though there was a storm round about him, David learned that even though he's, he's in a situation where his eyes is seeing terror and fear and the rain and the hail and the circumstances, that he has a higher force, that he has a power above himself and beyond himself, that there is an invisible being that is his rock and that is shelter and the security of his soul isn't what his eyes see, but the security of his soul is in the God that he has relationship with and his hope and trust is in him. See, in 1 Samuel, there's a story of Saul and David. And King Saul 
was this king that, that was the first king of Israel and he was taller than all the other people and, and better looking and the Bible, he's a perfect looking king. But his heart wasn't right. You can, you can look the talk, but are you the talk inside? And so David was totally different to Saul. He was a, a young shepherd boy. And see, Saul was more concerned about looking after himself. See, Saul was more concerned about his will and his desires and his flesh and what he wanted to come to pass. And he's more concerned about other people and what they thought about him. But he wasn't concerned about what God wanted and God's will and God's purposes. And he looked for favorable conditions above God's purposes. So God's approval lifted from Saul. And he said, I'm going to give your position to another. And you see, if we're not walking according to God's will and his purposes, and we decide to go in our own direction, in our own way, I'm going to go this way. We don't even ask God, I'm going to move to this city or this country or this place. To, do, do you even bring it before the God of heaven? What is his will? When we're thinking what my will is, and we're not even asking God for his, his word to light the path before us, we're in dangerous territory. And Saul was all about his will. So if you walk from the path of God's will for your life, if you walk away in disobedience from his purposes for you and you walk into sin, Bible says basically that he will replace you with another. He will give your ministry, your calling, your, your, the, the purpose that he'd earmarked for you from birth. And he will give it to somebody else who is willing to say, here am I, Lord, use me. And this is what happened to Saul. Because at the end of the day, God's purposes will come to pass. God's will will be done, whether you're a part of it or not. But he wants you a part of it. But that's up to us to surrender our life to him. And so he anoints this young shepherd boy, David, to be king. David goes on to slay, slay Goliath. We know the story and he becomes a hero of Israel. And Saul works out, hey, this is my replacement. And so he seeks to destroy and kill David. He chases David out of jealousy. He chases him as a fugitive in the mountains of Judea. And, and David's hiding in caves and crevices with some men who started to follow him. In the mountains, he hid for years, running, fearful, scared. He was in a storm, not just for an hour, but for years. See, David may have literally hid in the caves in the desert. He may have physically been in that cave, but his security wasn't in that cave. His trust wasn't in that cave. His hope wasn't in that cave. See, his trust and hope were in the God of heaven. He knew that, that Saul could find him in a cave. That Saul would get him somewhere if he trusted him a fortress, if you trust in money, if you trust in riches, if you trust in a particular person. But at the end of the day, we might have these things, but our trust and reliance need to be in God. His faith and trust was in God above the mountains, above the rocks, above the caves. And that's the one he leaned into. He says in Psalm 16, this is David, verse 1 to 2. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. He doesn't say in the cave I take refuge. In you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. No good apart from you. See, if David had looked at his present circumstances, if David had looked with his eyes, he, he, he would have thought, man, I'm, I'm running around in this desert. I'm running around in caves. I'm supposed to be the king. What, what's gone wrong? I've, I've made a bad decision. I've made a poor decision. You may be in a circumstance that's so unfavorable, so overwhelming, so destroying it to your soul and to you and the fear and anxiousness that you're going through right now. 
and you're thinking, surely God's not with me. I've made a mistake. I've, I've walked away. I've, I've made a poor decision. But you know, don't look at what your eyes can see. Listen to what your heart's telling you. Listen to what the voice of God's saying. Is the Holy Spirit telling you you're in the right place? Is His Word telling you? We know what His will is by His Word. We, we don't always have to have a word from God. We, we know not to do a certain sin because the Bible says not to. The Bible says don't steal, so we don't steal. You know, we can know the will of God except for what His Word says. Are you out of His will? Are you away from His Word? So we need to trust in Him. David didn't look at what his eyes could see. He didn't look at the, all the mighty men of Israel chasing him, all the military leaders, Saul, seeking his life. He didn't listen to their voices, their taunts, their chasing. He trusted in the promise of God on his life. He trusted in the call of God. He trusted in the voice of Jesus and the voice of God over his life above what he saw because he knew he was in the perfect will of God. His trust and hope was anchored. See, if you're going through a storm, I encourage you, don't make major decisions in a storm. You know, but if you have to make a decision, you need to be listening to God. You need to be following what his word says every step. Don't, don't make a kind of assumption in a storm. You've got to follow what his word says. What does his word say? Stick to it. Don't change to something that you're feeling like or your flesh says, I want to do. No, what does his word say about that? That's how you get through your storm. See, David had these men that followed him and it was like all the rebels and the rejects of Israel went out to the desert to be with David because David had the heart they wanted. And they, as they joined with David, they, they became mighty men. They became men and women that had a heart for God. And, you know, in their exile and in their living in foreign lands, they flourished. See, they flourished spiritually. Are you flourishing spiritually right now? So even David was in a desert and fearful, he flourished spiritually. How's your heart with God right now? How's your walk with Jesus? Are you praying? Are you reading your word? Are you worshiping him? Are you bitter towards him right now? Or is your heart soft and humble? Or are you prideful and sinful? What, where's your heart? Are you growing spiritually right now? See, even in the running around in the desert, they grew um, in numbers. They multiplied. Are you increasing? They morally walked right. Have you walked away from God? Are you thinking of, I'm going to live a life that's maybe not what I used to live? Are you thinking of walking in a, a way that's immoral right now? Well, that's a sign that maybe you've, you've walked away from Jesus. Maybe you are out of the will of God. See, David's men grew spiritually and morally, and they lived victoriously, winning battles even in being exiled. Keep your heart right with God. Keep living according to his scriptures. Keep living a holy life. Let your spiritual life flourish even though you might be in a cave or a storm. See, David lived in a state of exile for eight years. Eight years. The promise was he'd be king. Do you give up after two years? That's two years and God's promise hasn't happened. I'm running around a desert here for two years. This is not how God would have me. I'm obviously out of the will of God. Do you give up? Four years. Do you get to six years and say, this can't be God? Do you get to seven years? Should David have given up after seven years? Maybe it's been 30 years for you. Maybe it's been 35. Maybe it's been 25. Do you stop doing what you know you're supposed to do simply because the time has passed, what your mind says is fair enough? What if Abraham had stopped thinking and believing God for a child when he got to a point where he physically and his wife physically couldn't have children? What if they'd given up? They would never have got the promise, the dream, the, 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 then God a, 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 promised them a child, a son. 
You see, don't stop because you think it's past the time that I think is acceptable, that it's gone too far, I've had enough, I'm done. No, what if God's asking you to go another round, another step, another journey? What if he's asking you to go the extra mile? In the extra mile could be the miracle that you've been dreaming of, could be the relationship you've been always hoping for, could be your life partner, you're having another go. God might be saying to you, go one more time because you're going to see a blessing that you never imagined. See, David got to eight years. I'm preaching here, aren't I? I'm getting a bit excited. David got to eight years and he became the king of Judah. Judah's one of the 12 tribes. I could have been there and I could, have, I could see David going, oh, I've been through this for eight years and I'm not even the king of Israel. I'm the king of one tribe. And that tribe was his family tribe. It's like, it's like I'm the king of my family. Yay. I, I mean, that's cool, but uh, yeah, okay, I'm the king of the family. It was another seven years before he was king of all Israel. So at, at, at 13 years of being king, you know, of, of waiting, and he's been the king of, of Judah for three or four years, does he give up? Do you give up? I was supposed to be the king of Israel, and I'm the king of this rebel tribe. No, at 15 years of being on the run, he becomes the king of all of Israel and one of the greatest kings that ever lived. And Jesus is called the son of David. See, David was a man that knew unfavorable conditions. He knew unfavorable circumstances. He knew what it was like to have the whole world going against you and for your whole world to open up beneath you and to fall into a pit of darkness. He knows what that's like when people are judging and gossiping and making comments and, and after. He knows what that's like. But he knows that in that place, he has to make God his refuge, his shelter, and trust in him and hope in him above all things and not live according to what his eyes see but according to the promise of God. So you and I have this same assurance in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. It says this, so God has given both his promise and his oath. See, God gives a promise and an oath. God says a vow. When God says a vow, he keeps his vow. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence flee to him for refuge you will have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor see hoping in Jesus is a trustworthy anchor for our souls it leads us through the curtain into God's inner century Jesus has already gone in there for us see how can God pull us into God's inner century God's holy place God into eternity into heaven and in deep relationship with God if we're not holding on to the rope of the anchor of Jesus. Yeah, the storm might come, the storm might go, the storm might lift you up. You, you, you might be upside down right now because the storm's spinning you around and you, you don't know what up and down is because you're just going through so much. But hold on to the anchor. Hold on to the hope of Jesus. Make him your refuge and make him your rock. It mightn't go the way you're expecting or the way you're hoping or the way you want. God's ways aren't our ways. Well, we just got to hope and trust that he knows what's best for us. You see, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In our worst state, Jesus died for you. In my worst state, he loved me so much, he sent himself to rescue me. See, in times of distress, in times of storms and unfavorable conditions, uncertainty or battles that we're going through, we need to reflect on God's favor. We need to think about what his thoughts are towards us and, and not look at what we see with our eyes because 
I don't remember anyone in the Bible where great things happen without great trials. I don't remember anyone in the Bible who had incredible promises and, 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 and goals and dreams and battles won who didn't go through the battle or the fight. They all went through seasons of darkness and despair and hopelessness on the journey to seeing the good and the blessing. And we have their experiences to hold on to, to encourage us to not look at somebody else and judge them because maybe they're going through the winter season. Who are we to judge somebody else going through a winter when we're in a summer? When we're going to be in our winter, they'll be in their summer. See, Jesus being good received bad so that you would receive good. Barabbas being good, bad, sorry, received good. Your circumstances aren't necessarily a reflection of God's favor or not, unless, of course, you're walking in disobedience and according to your own will. See, God's purpose is that you would flourish in every season, that your hope and trust is in the rock and the fortress of heaven and not in possessions, material, money or things or people. Now, we acknowledge Jesus is the anchor of our soul, that as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Can I encourage you? You know, I just really believe that whatever you lay at God's feet, whatever we die to or we surrender to him, he can resurrect. And, and I really feel this is a season where God is asking people to lay their life down at his feet, that he's asking people to surrender things. Maybe there's a person you need to surrender. Maybe God's asking you to surrender a relationship at the cross. Maybe he's asking you to surrender a possession of some type or some treasure you have. Maybe there's a dream or there's a goal or, or, or there's a hope that you have and, and God's specifically speaking to you and he's saying, I want you to nail it to the cross. I want you to surrender it on the altar. I want it to be sacrificed to me. And, and I can encourage you, there's nothing that you can't do to outgive God. And, and as you surrender these things that are value to you, or maybe something you love dearly, God's saying, hey, you might love it, but this, this addiction or this thing, it's, it's ripping you apart. It's tearing your world apart. Everything you have is disappearing and you just can't see it. And God's saying, I love you so much. I want you to put that on the cross. I want you to bury that thing. I want you to give it over to me. And see, whatever we give over to him, he's able to resurrect in his power and do it his way. You know, we can't outgive God. And we, a life that's surrendered to God gets new life. You know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Though we gain the whole world but lose our soul, what have we gained? So I encourage you, church, that God is for you. He's with us. And whatever you're going through in this season, just make sure your hope is in the anchor of Jesus. And don't put time limits on things. Don't put a time limit on what you think of. The time's up. You don't know God may have a longer wait for you. And you want to pull out before the blessing of heaven comes and the breakthrough of God rains down on your life. Let me pray for you this week, church. Father, I pray for every person who can hear my voice. I pray whatever you're speaking to them about right now, whether it's to sacrifice, to give up something, to lay something at your cross, Father, that you can put it to death, but you could resurrect it, Father, that you would speak to people about areas of their life that they need to surrender. Maybe somebody's walked away from you, Father, or somebody's gone a bit cold. Father, highlight that in them, that they can know that, that you're with them, that you're for them, Father. I pray, Father, that they that highlight areas in my life and, and the people around me and the people in this church, Father, and my family and your family, that, 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 that we need to 
lay at his feet. Maybe there's a, there's a, a selfishness we have or, or, or maybe there's a behavior that we're doing, Lord. Just help us highlight it in our heart that we can surrender to you, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that, that you would bring breakthrough. I pray for miracles. I pray, Father, that, that you would, you're the God that calls things and are not as if they were. I pray, Father, you would fulfill your promises. I pray for healing in people's souls and their bodies and their minds, Father. And I pray, Father, that you would do a miracle in our midst, Father, that you would be the God that dwells in the midst of your people, Father. Whatever we're believing for, we hold on to by faith and hope in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good praying, church. There's one more prayer that we're going to do, and we do this every week. It's simply a prayer of surrender, a prayer of surrendering our life to Jesus. And Maybe you did this a long time ago, or maybe you've never done it. You know, the Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the presence, the glory, the goodness of God. And the Bible says that if we confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And if we believe it in our heart, we will have eternal life. We'll have salvation. We'll be saved, rescued from present circumstances we're in, but we'll have life in eternity. We will never die spiritually. So I'm going to pray, church, and if that's you, I want you to really um, say this with me. I'm going to say this prayer out, and if you just follow me, it's going to come on the screen, and, and I want you to mean it from your heart, because this is between you and Jesus. Today, Jesus, today I invite you into my heart. Please forgive me of all of my sin, and give me a fresh start. Today I make a decision to exchange my past for your future. I believe you died and rose again, and I receive your promise of eternal life. From this day forward, I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Congratulations if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. Hey, church, I'm thinking of you guys. I miss your faces. If you guys need anything, let the officers know. We're, we're praying and believing and, and, and have a great week, church. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us at Facebook at encounter.shepparton.